We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What is going on, guys? Week 8, Underworld Stack Fest here on Rotogrinders.com, brought to you by Player Profiler. This week, for the for the listeners, Dario is not here, but we got to replace him. Um, Jacob Sanderson is here with, of course, myself and the pod father, Matthew Kelly. Jacob, we're going to put you on the spotlight Matthew. to, to uh, Matthew, to start uh, uh, full names here. Full names. <laughs> Jacob. If we're not Jake, Jacob, mom, not Matt, Matt, (laughs) we're going, uh, I would be shorter than you, Eric. Would just be air. Do you go by Rick? Yeah. Good. Good question. It's actually funny. We'll we'll do story. We'll do story time before we get into the, the DFS plays, because I actually think this slate is, um, not tricky. It's straight. It's, it's, it's kind of very straightforward, kind of, kind of straightforward. So we can do a little story time before we get literally no one calls me Eric, except my parents and my wife. Really? Uh, and so, but every, you know, when you, you work in this industry, you're chatting with people like we are here over, over the internet. And so everyone calls me 
Eric, you know, in my day to day streaming life, but absolutely no one in my real world life calls me calls me Eric. So it's been a it's been a transition over a few years of um, even being used to someone calling me Eric. So it is kind of technically my formal name, right? Matthew, Eric and yeah. and Jacob. But uh, uh, Jacob, we're, we're, so they call we're, you Rick. They, they, no, so everybody calls me Bime. Bime. A, yeah. So like oh, obviously my last Bime. name is Bime. Bime for like dime, but bime is uh is what every is what everybody calls me in uh in that, in in the real world. That's a wow. Yeah, that's lesson story. That's, su- that's a pleasant surprise. No one knows that. You guys are the first people to kind of hear that. Bime. Um, yeah, yeah. So I did um, not have that in Vegas. I did not have that. <laughs> yeah. I did not have that yes. future. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, that was that was twenty one. Uh, when you have sixteen, that was what that one was. Uh, nobody saw that one coming. So, Bimer, week eight, week week eight. Jacob, first time on the show. Obviously, not the first yeah. time uh, chatting with with any of us. How has your NFL uh, season been going? And what's your kind of first kick us off with a first take about week eight? How are we feeling? Man, my season, it's been, honestly, it's been up and down. Like the injuries have just been so tilting where Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, one of my biggest stands early, Lance goes down immediately. And then we're sort of like riding the wave. We're like, all right, we got some stuff coming up. We got some of my favorite like sleeper guys coming in. And then the the Brees Hall uh, injury Mm, in particular just made me uh, lose a little bit of the will. to. What happened? He's hurt? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I think it's the sunglasses, Matt. You had the sunglasses on. He, went, see he, that he went down. ACL. Yeah. But on, on the bright side, I think like the, what we've seen out of ETN the last couple of weeks has been like the bright spot of my fantasy enjoyment. And, and I'm looking forward to that continuing in terms of DFS this week. It's, it's fun because my Colts have been such an irrelevant franchise for the last like half decade. <laughs> and now it feels like they're the pivot point of the slate as to whether people yeah. want to play their 4K crappy yeah. rookie quarterback. Uh, or technically you usually want you wanted like 9K Jonathan Taylor to be the pivot point or something, right. not not 4K, 4K Sam, Ellinger. Sam Ellinger. Yeah, that's like the the two key points on each DFS shows. Do you play Sam Ellinger slash Sam Ellinger, and then is it pronounced Sam Ellinger or Sam yeah. Ellinger? Those are the two things. And I honestly am not even sure. I root for the team. I believe it's Ellinger. <laughs> I believe it's Ellinger as as well, Matt. Um, but Wait, before Ellinger's we, a thing this week. Oh yeah, he's four thousand dollars on DraftKings. He projects as the best point per dollar play, and um, we'll get into kind of the other value spots and stuff. But huh. there isn't a ton, you know, of like super spend down options, and so he does at least for like an optimal build. He does make things um, okay, you know, so a little bit cozy. Cash, it's like a cash argument. Yeah, and we'll I mean, definitely I think he's talk about show him. up in tournaments though. Like, oh come oh, yeah. on! Not, not he won't show up in a oh, lot of my lineups, but on. he's gonna be there. If you if you go into your lobby and you sort by ownership, right. you will see Sam yeah. near the top. I think this was one of my early learnings. My early learnings was that you know before it was like oh, you know some of these fringe options. You know they're only fringe options are only for tournaments. You know where you're you're taking big <laughs> chances, right? And it's like no 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 no. Some fringe options are actually only for cash. Right, yeah. they're fringy, it, mm-hmm. and 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 because they're fringy, actually they have a limited ceiling in what you even realistically expect. So, and a lot of times it's because the team stinks. So then the, the stacking options are are poor. So it's not even a, really a tournament option at all. It's it it's a fringe cash option, which when I first got started in this business, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't even, it, it took me a while to even get, get my head around that. 
So when you say Ellinger, I would the, my first thought was, oh, I could see cash lineups with Ellinger. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but I think come we, on, man. We have this show. We launched this whole goddamn show. The whole <laughs> reason for this show existing when I was talking to Dan about it originally. Just to sack Sam Ellinger with Paris Campbell. Was and that Kyle we would Branson? have this show so people wouldn't fall for these <laughs> traps. Yeah. And you would stick to the games where all the points are being scored. Like, grown-ups <laughs> the washington commanders yeah and the indianapolis colts with uh sam ellinger is not screaming is not screaming shootout we will probably reference him uh a, a couple times throughout the course of this show because it is it is just kind uh, if of you want to make certain lineups happen you got to use them i, well, I think yes yeah. so i think the story is about the like i think there's a story about the quarterback position in general this week and that all the good ones aren't on it right um and so that leads people to it's like okay well am I going to spend fifty eight hundred for somebody who projects the same as Ellinger or am I going to spend four k for so I mean to me it's like either you spend up for Kyler or you spend up for Hertz who I'm sure we'll talk about those guys mm-hmm. um, but otherwise it gets it gets scary at quarterback quick but that's what's so appealing like Hertz could be you know QB one by fifteen points this week with the ceiling performance right uh, spoiler it's- alert Dario gave me instructions on what to talk about he said make sure you don't forget to talk about Tua stacks. You know, ad yeah. nauseum. Don't yeah. forget. Don't forget to spend the majority of your time talking about Tua stacks. And I said, yeah, it's going to be. It's like, it's like I, I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Eric and I mind meld over at least one stack every week. It's probably mm-hmm. going to be that one. And my only worry is that you know, in, introducing Jacob into the equation, mm. right? I'm, my my fear was that you know, Jacob, I'm worried about you stepping on my rapport with Eric. <laughs> that's, that's you know, I don't want you to ruin it. You know, I mean, at some point in the show, Jacob, you're going to have to stand down and let <laughs> let Eric and well, I do what, you know, I mean, I'm, Eric's Eric is like the is the only person on fantasy Twitter who likes Tua. So I'm sure that he'll be alongside you. Like bef- before he was actually good. Eric was like the one guy all summer that was like, I don't know, Tua might be good. And, and so I, I can't take that from him. He's, he's I, that's Tua why I see this is how I, my, my suspicions turning out to probably <laughs> maybe be true. This is good. Exactly. That is going to be the first game we're going to talk about. Uh, Dolphins Lions. Really quickly, though, I do want to um, a go over for for first time first time viewers. This is a, a, a stacking show, a game stacking show. So we're not going to go position by position. We are going to kind of go game by game, but we're going to break down kind of how you start your tournament lineups from a stacking perspective. Right? You go into the slate. You say. Dolphins Lions. That game looks pretty fun. How do I build a team in the scenario in which that game shoots out? Right. Tua throws for four touchdowns and 300 yards. The Lions are pushing back. How do you build um, tournament teams for that? And should you, right? Sometimes we have the conversation and we end up saying, we like kind of like this game, but maybe it's more for secondary stacks or skinny mm-hmm. stacks, or we'll talk through these different games. Really quick, I do, Matt, want to talk about week seven. I feel like the show has has gone really well all all of all of the year. Last week was a home run, I think, in my opinion. It was the best week of of the season. Just about everything besides uh, Cowboys Cowboys Lions. If you lit, which we talked oh, about. No, no, how- we, we talked about. No, we talked about just taking Cowboys only. The playing yeah. playing Cowboys stacks with no runbacks. And and we talked about we we even got down to and nobody went completely nuts. We talked about Zeke. We talked about Pollard. We talked. 
but but everything really kind of outside of you know th- that game was was meh. The Cowboys were meh, right? Michael Gallup, who I really liked, did absolutely oh, nothing. Were worried about that that the matchup yes. was actually bad that it that the that the Lions could be in a situation where they weren't going to be able to score any points. Mm-hmm. And so right, you get your two Zeke touchdowns, but we talked through. Eckler, the, uh, Matt called it the first ever RV, RV, RV game stack. Skinny with stack. Eckler. Yes, and the Ken- best RV, RV skinny stack of all time. <laughs> and and Ken Walker. Um, we talked through the Chiefs as kind of probably the most exciting actual stack on the slate. And uh, also, Ken, Ken, you, you mentioned Jacob mentioned Tua. Can we stop with the Tua can't throw the deep ball? Because if Mahomes doesn't throw it to MVS with enough air under it uh, or the appropriate amount of air under it to catch a 70 yard touchdown just once this year, I'm going to lose my shit because that was a 70 yard touchdown this week. It was, he caught it for like 55 yards, but it should have been a touchdown. Mahomes under threw him. No, Eric, the process on MVS has been right all year. We're going to keep going back to that, dude. Agreed. Juju goes nuts. We even nailed George Kittle as the appropriate bring back on a tight end week. That was horrible. Kittle skinny stack. It was beautiful. It was it was absolutely beautiful, and so I'm excited. Thank you for to bringing kind of this up. Going. I w- yeah. I didn't want to have to force it into the conversation. Thank <laughs> you for bringing it up in advance. It was a great week, and so uh, we'll build upon that. Obviously, uh, Jacob is going to fill in flawlessly, and he's already backing up my two takes. So I'm just pressure's gonna, on. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, for Jacob, I'm pressure's on. A lot I was of stuck levels. in freaking Ontario last weekend. I couldn't play DFS. I didn't know what to do with my Sunday. So that's great. I'm, I'm incredibly excited. Poor that Ontario. is great. So, so, so let's kick it off though. Week eight, I do think very clearly, uh, it, probably about seventy five percent of the, the shows that we do, we kick off with a Lions game as like, okay, this is how do we how do we handle this Lions game? But I mean, it is kind of a wash, rinse, repeat type of thing. Matt Matt has said it multiple times this year. The Lions have a competent offense, in particular this week, assuming Amon Ra plays yeah. and assuming Swift is back. You have a f- basically full strength. Lions offense sub in Khalif Raymond for DJ Chark, whatever that's. We also nailed Khalif Raymond, by the way, last wow. last week. That was a great was, process play. Yes, that was awesome. Get, you know, Amon Ra got hurt, but I'm not, I'm not sure that it would have mattered. Anyway, I feel good about it. Me too. You have you have the Lions who can just basically always push back when they have their guys, right? And then you they they have the second worst or worst defense in the in the entire NFL. So the other team is going to score points. It's the perfect game stacking situation and environment every every single week. The Dolphins on the other side, I think, are more exciting than the Cowboys were last week. From uh, let's attack this offense. Absolutely. You, you op- you obviously yeah. can still attack them on the ground. The Lions are always susceptible to running backs, and Raheem Mostert has really kind of taken over that backfield. However, the Dolphins, even in you know positive game scripts, have been a very pass-heavy team with Tua. And you have two wide receivers that get all the targets, and actually I kind of, a sneaky tight end, which we'll maybe get into yeah. this conversation, that I, that, I really, like. that I really like Trending. this week as well. And so you just have a few kind of guys on each side in a game environment that's absolutely nuts. And Tua is extremely cheap kind of because he got hurt. Matt, what, where, how do you, you know, do you kind of agree, agree with all this? You're shaking your head, but I um, am hundred percent. No, I'm what's like, your take? I'm like my, I'm like, this is like, you, you, we do a show called first mover that Dario hosts on Mondays and he was just bugging out about Tua and the salary <laughs> He's like 6.2K at Detroit. What am I missing here? This is insane. This is great. You know, insane in the best possible way. And yeah, I I don't know if Amon Ra is going to be 100%. I hope he is. 
I don't understand all these things that are happening to him. I feel like it, it, it's this is a, a bit of a Miles Sanders situation where every week he's just sort of a magnet for an injury now because he's been trying to play on a bad ankle. And then that just opens you up to getting hurt in other body parts. So I'm I'm just a little I'm a little nervous about St. Brown, but otherwise, uh, you know, I I I think we can go back to to a little fringy Khalif Raymond. I want to play Swift. Oh yeah, baby! Like mm-hmm. that's not that's one I'm not worried about because Swift decided to take the extra weeks off. Remember, St. Brown pushed himself back. He admitted that he lobbied to get back early before even the doctors wanted to get back. I mean, we love that about these players, right? I think in the long run, this is going to serve St. Brown very well, right? That he is, is just a maniac in the off season and he's going to take care of his strength and conditioning. He's going to be in the league for another decade plus five years, right? Any trainer that tells him not to play, he remembers their name. Is that that what you're saying? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. But week to week, sometimes these guys can be their own worst enemy. That's the problem. Whatever. You got to play some. Like, you're going to play some St. Brown. It doesn't much matter, though. It's a run back situation. So you're going to you can run back with some Hawkinson. You don't want to you don't want to home in on any one of these guys as run backs. Right. Yes. Swift. Yes. St. Brown. Yes, even Raymond. Yes, Hawkinson. You don't have to go nuts with the double runbacks. You can just go single runback here. But with Tua, you absolutely have to double stack him always. If it's not a mobile quarterback, in order to get enough fantasy points in total from a stack, you ideally want to. It's, it's a very rare thing that you see a Millie making winning lineup with a pocket passer in only one other yeah. member of that team. Yes, it happens all the time with Lamar. Yes, it always happens with with Hertz. That's fine. Not so much with Tua. If it's going to happen with Tua, it's going to be Tua plus two. And so that's where then you have plus two and a run back or multi run back. That's where this could be a full blown game stack. But with Tua on top, I'm not entertaining any golf this week. I rarely ever entertain golf. This, no. There's no reason. So, Jacob, we, we, we've we kind of established the, the, the Dolphins love, but if you're double stacking him, I, I think we all probably agree. There's, there's three options, yeah. right? And that's another perk to what Matt oh. says with the pocket passer. When you just have three dudes, that's no. the only guys. Right? There's four. There could be four dudes. I think no, no, most no, no, there's guys. four because, again, yeah, I made this mistake too. Uh, Eric, I made this exact mistake, and Dario just – squashed me like a bug he said go look at the routes run for raheem mostert yeah. 25 oh, 22 yeah, yeah. 21 18 so mostert could get there in the passing yeah. game and that okay, can also fair. support Tua. i would be more inclined to do Tua with mostert and smaller field stuff but I, that'll be in play if i'm playing larger field stuff it would only be looking at hill and waddle and gasicki yeah a a if anyone remembers um i remember it because of the the best ball championships, but week 17 of last year, a, a Seahawks situation 
uh, ironically, in this exact matchup with the Lions, where Russ throws multiple, right? They score 45 points or whatever, and you just consume all of that offense. It's still a little tougher to get there, like you said, in the Millie Maker or, you know, the quarter arcade, the slant, whatever. Um, that way, not that you can't. I'm not saying that, that you can't. I think it actually won earlier this year with the Seahawks, but it's it's just tougher, right? Yeah. Especially a 5,900 Mostert as opposed to a, a uh, you know, maybe a, a, a much cheaper running back. But how, kick us off with the, the Dolphins thing. I, I mean, I think Tyreek is clearly, I don't have to like lead into yeah. uh, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, looks, looks, looks pretty good, but also the highest owned. How do you think we should approach the stack in tournaments? Yeah, I think probably if you're doing the Tyreek version of the Dolphins stack, then I'm going to probably be more inclined to play Swift as my run back. I mean, first of all, it's just really, it takes up a ton of salary to play Hill and Amon Ra. Um, but you're also probably getting lower ownership on Swift. Uh, I think people are going to be really pumped up to play Pollard. People are going to be pumped up to play Ramondre Stevenson, who, I mean, he's like one of my favorite players in the NFL, but I still think he's a little bit fragile in terms of what if Damian Harris gets a little bit more work than we were expecting and it goes a little bit closer to where he was like weeks two through four or whatever that was. I still think that's potentially in play. So I think Swift comes in off the injury and he's had a history of not being particularly great in his first like couple of weeks past injury, which Honestly, it's fine. Like, I'm just happy to still play that because I think that makes people a little bit reticent to play him. So I'm I'm probably pretty in on playing Swift at what I expect to be a low number. He's probably the guy I play most from the Lions side. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to get beyond Swift or St. Brown. I think in something like the Spy, um, I probably would consider even doing for, for sure, one of Mostert or Gasicki and then probably Waddle if I want to do this. And then as we're going to see a lot of the Dolphin stack ownership, I think, consolidate towards Hill in those smaller fields. I'd want to get off that. But I think that they're all phenomenal plays. Um, and I just don't know, like, I'm not sure that this, that either Hill or Waddle are the type of wide receiver that it particularly matters who Okuda is on. And they run all the <laughs> yeah. way around the formation. Like, I just don't think it's overly relevant because they're so quick twitch. They're so often in motion uh, that I don't think that, that Detroit can really just take either away on more than a play here or a play there. So I think they're both then phenomenal spots. I, I like everything in this game and it's, it's nice with Swift and with Kasiki uh, and with potentially that those are two guys that aren't going to have a ton on them or playing two and Mostert together, which can be unique um, where I, I think you can go all, all over this game at every different angle. That's what I like about the, the Mostert is that you do get a little more unique. That's what I like about Waddle and Gasicki, honestly. Um, I, I like the most. I, I, I like the Mostert thing too, but I, I just can't think of a situation. I, look, I'm not going to say a negative. Th- it's kind of like we talked about CD last week, right, Matt? You remember we talked about CD, and it's like I'm not saying a negative set comment about CD Lamb last week or about Tyreek Hill this week. It's awesome. I understand. Well, I, I if ownership and stuff weren't a thing in dfs right it was just like everybody needs to score 200 points to make money i would play i would play tyree kill probably too but that's not the case and if he's going to be the one that everyone's going to play jalen waddle has shown us ceiling mike kosicki has shown us ceiling. mike kosicki's shown us some serious ceiling and now we know where he's getting the 60 plus percent snap share and that's correlating to his routes run which is then correlating to his targets so it's a very it's a very easy trend to get behind with Mike Gusecki. And not I don't want to say more important, but maybe equally as as important. Tight end, as you guys know, is an absolute barren wasteland across all of fantasy. Yeah. Now Mark Andrews 
played a quarter or whatever last last night. We might lose him, which is Isaiah Likely season. Uh, just let me enjoy Isaiah Likely for um, what like half a day. I would like I would I would enjoy that. Travis Kelsey, you know, not a thing here on on this slate. It's it's gross, right? Um, Kittle is the most expensive tight end on DraftKings at fifty seven hundred. It's just it's it's terrible, and yet you have a tight end like you said playing. 60 to 70% of the snaps running 60 to 70% of the routes with multi touchdown upside that we saw a couple of weeks ago and no one's playing him, right? Why he is just anyone doesn't project. Can you explain that to me? Like just, to me, just, this seems like a pretty easy play. I don't get it. End. Like he has back. I mean, how many tight ends have back to back 23 point games ever in their history? <laughs> Very few. Very. I mean, he few. has that. He did that in 2020, I think. Yeah, I think it it's just like, people are just I think people are are tied to that early season role. And the yeah. first good game that he had was against the Ravens and it was a total fluke. Like he wasn't didn't have a good role. It was just they passed so many times. And I think people are just caught on that. Like I mean, heck, like I was picking up Mike Kosicki off of Dynasty waiver wires like 3 weeks ago. <laughs> like people are not like people are out on this dude. And it was funny because I bid like 50% of my fab and then the next closest bid is like $1. And I was like, "Oh, well, that was unnecessary." Like I just think people are out on Kosicki. I think this is this is a great spot for him. He's the guy I'm going to put in yeah. every single two stack almost. Like I mean, I don't yeah. play 100, I don't play max 150, so I wouldn't do it in that, but like in my like 10 lineups or whatever that I'm building, if I have like three or four Tua stacks, Gasicki's probably going in all of them. He fills tight end. He gets me access to the game. Uh, he's probably scoring a touchdown if he's hitting anyway, and then that helps the Tua. So, Matt, can you talk? Can, can you talk? Uh, we talked a little bit about Swift, but I would like to talk about the uh, get your kind of takes on 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 that line side. You kind of mentioned, you know, spreading it out and stuff. But do you do you think you know if you had to kind of prioritize, you put Swift? Very fairly clearly at the top, or how are you just kind of ranking those lines? Yeah, I mean it's dude, Swift. It's I mean six point eight K. Come on, let's go. DraftKings, let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> right here we go. Full PPR, DeAndre Swift, six point eight K. Yes, please. And I understand that there's gonna be a like, hey, this is a, this looks like a Derrick Henry week. I get it, man. You know, I to, understood Barkley. Oh, you know, like so it's gonna be it's even easier. Right. Where it's like I can see people get distracted uh, by some of these even higher salary running backs that aren't in this kind of situation. Swift in a full blown shootout. This is the situation. I you know, there are some cases where I we, we, we say, hey, let this guy demonstrate health before you actually start playing him no. or let this guy demonstrate that he's good before you start playing him. There's no problem. Like we talk about with, with Kyle every Pitts. week, right? <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Let him have a big week and then you can start considering him. That's fine. Yeah. This, no, you don't want to waste this opportunity. This is a, this is a home game. Okay. In what is going to be the shootout on the board that we need. You got to play him and you got to play him aggressively. You know what this and, reminds yeah. me of is a spot. I think it was two years ago. I forget what week. But the Panthers were playing at KC and CMC was coming off like five or six weeks off and he was underpriced for what his role was. And he wasn't getting a ton of ownership because Dalvin Cook had this incredible matchup against the Lions, I believe. There we um, go. This is really testing the bounds of my memories. For no, you're talking about, yeah, this DFS. is like Henry against the top. Henry's it was like everybody was playing Cook that week and he was, yep. that was his like massive like RB2 overall like season. And CMC was in this great spot playing catch up as a receiving back against KC. But everyone was like, ah, Cook, like he's for sure healthy. We don't know what CMC's role is going to be. And people were like, oh, we might split with Mike Davis because that was the year Mike Davis was going off. 
And then oh, he yeah. actually got hurt like in the last play of the game, but he had like 30 um, and he totally crushed. I think Cook also crushed, so it didn't necessarily help you. But the point was CMC came in like way too low of ownership. And if he had stayed healthy that whole game, like the next week, it would have just been playing him at double the ownership anyway and probably a worse spot. And like, this is a great spot for Swift. He's going to come in way lower owned than he should be at a very reasonable price tag of 1600. Like this is a guy where if he just stays healthy and does the thing, he's 7,500 every week for the rest of the year. And he's 15% owned. Like this, this is a great spot to, to get opportunities. I love the, that, that, that's what I was just going to add about specifically the running back position. A, I actually think this is kind of a sneaky, good spot for Swift. Um, even like from a schematics standpoint, my, I mean, if a defense can make Josh Allen check it down like 20, 20 times to running backs, I I, I feel like Jared Goff's going to just kind of take that. You know what I mean? Like Jared, that's what Jared Goff wants to do. Josh Allen is like miserable checking. He's like, throw it downfield to Diggs and Gabe or check it down to Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Like, what do you think I want to do it? But he still did it because that's what the dolphins are forcing, forcing you to do. And then you have the, the running back thing where Sometimes we talk through like leverage and ownership at a position and it's like, let's right, let's flip the build or whatever. CMC is actually an example of that this week. Nobody's spending up for Christian McCaffrey this week. Derek, people aren't even really spending up for Derek Henry, even though he's facing the Texans because we have Tony Pollard. Uh, Jacob mentioned we have Ramondre Stevenson. You have Josh Jacobs, who is apparently just, you know, uh, the greatest running back of all of all time. At, at cheaper than those guys, Ken Walker, right? Damian Pierce, Deonta Foreman now without obviously CMC and Chuba. There's just all these cheaper guys. So a lot of times we talk about that, right? Let's Yeah, yeah. And, and if you're going to start to spend up, oh, you might as well go to Henry anyway. Yes, exactly. And so Swift is $800 more than what all these other guys or whatever. Yeah. It's like at, at the end of the day, that's nothing. That's the difference between Chris Olave and DJ Moore, which is like the same, right? It, it, it's meaningless, but no one's going to play him when – DeAndre Swift a month ago in this matchup would actually probably be quite like you would say 7,500 Josh Jacobs against the Saints or 6,800 DeAndre Swift in the shootout of the week. Why would Josh Jacobs be like five times the ownership? And I'm not saying that Jacobs hasn't earned it and all that, but I'm just saying when you just take a quick step back and you just think like, 6,800 DeAndre Swift, you know, uh, I know there's uncertainty, but there's uncertainty in every situation in the NFL every week. And so, I have well, him tagged. I'm glad you, you guys this are on. Is, this is what tournament play is all about, right? This is where you don't you don't play a guy like that in cash. I understand that, yeah. right? We talk about this is the this is the other scenario that this isn't like a fringy play to save money. This is like a full blown risk reward equation, and the the risk is absolutely worth the reward in tournaments. When Devin Singletary's getting 11 targets in the same <laughs> matchup. Come on, man. We're trying to win a million dollars here. We're trying to get unique. We're trying to hit upside. He gives you all these things. It's, it's amazing. It's great. It's a beautiful thing. And just, I love it when these, these types of plays fall in the games that we want to talk about that you should yes. be playing anyway. It's like you're leading the horse all the way to the water. How do you not drink Swift? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> everything is lined up, man. I don't know what else we could do to get people to play Swift. What more do you need? It, it reminds me. Do you need very the MRI much... results on his ankle? Yeah, what, right, what do you right. need? He's full practice also I this mean, week. And so practice. Right. Yeah. This probably like they he probably could have played him. last week. He took the. No, I'm sure they convinced him not to play. They can. Yeah. They tried to convince St. Brown not to play. He almost went out. Almost said it publicly. 
but he did. He stopped short of saying it publicly, but they're trying to lose games. Remember, they're trying to get the best possible quarterback in the draft last year without breaking rules like Miami, without outright <laughs> like bribing people. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you nudge people and you say, hey, you know what? Like, we want you 100%. Why don't you take another week off? And this team will be really good, by the way, when, once they uh, when they get a real high upside quarterback with all with all I these mean, weapons, putting putting oh, a don't get kind me started. of don't get me started. I, I, I do want to talk really quickly about also also about um, Watt Jalen Waddle, because he, he he reminds me very similarly kind of of the DeAndre Swift on the Dolphins side where it's like running all the routes showed a 40 point ceiling just happens to be in this weird range where he doesn't project perfect he doesn't project better than the right the tyler lockett's and chris olave's and and all of that of the world and his teammate right it's uh jacob mentioned it's difficult to play tyreek and amon ra it's very difficult to play Tua, tyreek waddle amon ra right it's very difficult to build a team like that so who are people going to say eh i'm going to pass on him jalen waddle because he doesn't project he doesn't project very well but like a if a Tua waddle gasicki stack had you know if he threw if two or threw four touchdowns two to waddle and two to gasicki this week would anyone be would anyone be surprised no i don't think so and so i really just like the gasicki thing of course i like mostert so it's almost when you like you have in- a portfolio of all these different combinations that's the exact combo you're rooting for even though you've yes. got the whole board covered because you're super overweight on this game because you listen to this show that's the combo you're rooting for Jacob, any any counterpoints to to no, Waddle and anything I'm, else? That I'm we all in on. No, I'm all in on Waddle. Um, I mean, I was like really in on Waddle all summer. I made Waddle like my big flag plant. I think like I think th- like three weeks already. <laughs> um, <laughs> I definitely like Waddle this week for sure. Um, yeah, no, he was, and I think for sure, like now that we sort of seen over time that it's at first it was like who's the wide receiver one? We're not sure, and like at this point it's clearly Tyreek. But we know that Waddle also. The difference to me, at least this is maybe like a, a watching the games take, but the difference to me really between Waddle and Tyreek is the floor, right? It's that Tyreek's getting more of these short area scheme targets and stuff, which is great when you're playing in a managed league and you want to add in those extra five, six, seven PPR points into your lineup. But in terms of winning your tournament DFS play, like the odds that these guys hit a 50 yard touchdown on a given play to me are almost equal. Uh, and if you're looking at who's going to be able to the guy you need, it certainly could be Tyreek. It's maybe a little bit more likely Tyreek, but in terms of half the ownership, less salary, lets you bring in other guys. I'm, I'm going to be having more Waddle. I love it. Um, next game on on our board is a game that kind of got a, a, a bombshell dropped on us, you know, five minutes before we go live, but that is Vikings and Cardinals. Of course, Marquise Brown is is still out, but we got news that James Conner is out and Daryl Williams is, I, I would say, closer to doubtful. Than, can we bring back the better injury reports that everybody's questionable? And I have no idea what that ever what that ever means. I I would say Daryl Williams is maybe closer to doubtful, but he's questionable technically. I say he's you always know. doubtful. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, He's Daryl Williams, so I that's just how Daryl Williams is doing this. I can't believe he's even making people think about anything ever. Yeah. I, I know, but it's Stinks. it's like <laughs> I have a, I have a nickname for Daryl Williams I've used for a couple of years. I call him the Hippocratic Oath. You know, it's like the Hippocratic Oath: you do no harm. That's Daryl Williams. That's like all he provides. Yeah. 
why did he ever get to play for the Chiefs? It's because, well, everybody else just keeps screwing up and he's just going to yeah. like be a robot and, and, you know, be in the right place running a 4840 or whatever. So it is what it is. Anyway, enough about Daryl Williams. And we'd have a pretty fascinating game, especially now without James Conner. Again, we talked yeah. about Swift. You want to know another guy that's going to take ownership away from Swift? You get 6K Eno Benjamin off of um, you Benjamin. Know, the best Island game bump. Island game yes. bump. He got the island game bump in a big, in a big game last week. Um, you also brought DeAndre Hopkins back and who had 14 targets on 29, the second highest target share by any wide receiver in a single game this year, last week. And then of course, some pretty appealing Vikings guys on that side. How how are you thinking about this one, Matt? Um, from, especially from like a game stacking perspective, is it Kyler or bust or what do you think? I just, well, I'm just, it's just interesting that as much as I love Pollard and he's such a smash because of the, the, the process that we follow for creating a portfolio for tournaments, we're going to have more Benjamin. It's just, it's crazy, right? But when you have the right guy at the right price in the right game, that's how your own personal portfolio ownership ends up going up. And because of Pollard, thank God for Pollard, he's actually going to help to keep some of the ownership away from Benjamin. Praise be to thee. Yeah, I mean, I will, I will play Pollard because, like, if you've ever met me or talked to me, you know that, like, I just like wouldn't allow myself to not play some Pollard. You're gonna play some. Like of course, he's gonna make his way into lineups. But, but I'm I will. Just but saying, no, I, it, it, because yeah. Benjamin is like a signature piece in a signature game. Yeah, he's gonna make it into a lot of lineups. Yeah, and Benjamin's mm-hmm. a great spot. I mean, I think the Hopkins thing is what's fascinating. You know, like I'm gonna do it under DFS callback situation, but I remember last year where everybody, like, the sentiment on OBJ was, like, negative, 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 negative. And then he played the one game, I think it was against uh, Chicago, and he had, like, really, really great usage, like, one of the top five usage profiles of the week. And the next week, everybody was like, he's back, let's jam him in, let's get him in every single lineup. He was the most popular player off of, he had, like, three fantasy points, but ran all the routes, had a bunch of, he led the league in air yards that week or something like that. Ended up at, like, 50 200 or whatever was yeah. was the highest everybody he was everybody's like this is the tournament but you know this is our sneaky guy or whatever and he was the highest owned player in all of all of tournaments that week and what's crazy with hopkins is like now he had he like converted he had a ton of targets he had a good game but like 7400 i don't know i guess what i would say is if you were told two weeks ago that deandre hopkins would be 7400 and fairly popular people would be like, I don't know, that guy might be totally washed. And like, I get we saw the one game and that was really encouraging. Uh, but I'm, I guess what I would say is I'm a little bit hesitant to just roll out Hopkins at a really high price tag, seeing the projections on him that are eye popping and just act like he's just fully like 2020, 2019 new. When we also had all of last year, which was really bearish on DeAndre Hopkins. So I think I'm a little bit skittish with just playing Hopkins into ownership at a high dollar amount um, off of what was really one week's result. I just see him as a little bit more fragile than other guys who I think have earned their projections over a more sustained sample this year. Not that I don't think he could absolutely crush. Like he could totally crush. I just, I see a little bit of fragility there with Hopkins. Um, I think my favorite way to play this game is probably the Vikings side because again, we don't have any elite quarterbacks this week, really. Like it's, it's Jalen Hurts. Uh, it's Kyler Murray, who uh, the, the jury is currently in hour seven of deliberating. Elite. He's an elite. We drafted him as elite, but I'm not yeah. so certain he's right. a, been playing a lot of Kyler stacks this, this year. So, it's been I mean, fine. 
It's fine. Yeah, so yeah but I, I want it's fine if you don't watch game. the game and you only check the box score after it's over. If you're sitting in the middle of the third quarter, you have generalized anxiety disorder. But anyway, I, I think that it's a good spot for Cousins. It's similar to similar sense to Tua, where he's a pocket quarterback uh, in a team that has been passed first quietly. They've been top ten in neutral situation yep. pass rate. They've been top ten in neutral situation pace. And they get an Arizona defense that is deplorable. I mean, they allowed for Andy Dalton to put up 30 fantasy points on them, despite <laughs> multiple pick sixes. So I think that Kirk Cousins playing not in prime time uh, against a really bad defense in Arizona, it's, it's a really nice spot for him. And because there's some spend down options, I think you can get to Justin Jefferson and survive it up to 9,100 this week. Um, and then, of course, if you're going to play Cousins with Jefferson, like Matt said about Tua, you're almost always looking to try and double stack. Maybe not quite, quite, quite as necessary because you're spending so much for Jefferson, but I'm probably pretty interested in tacking on like an Irv Smith. And I think in yeah. smaller fields, it's it's workable to play Jefferson and Thielen. But I, I don't know. That's that's a lot of salary into one offense and like a Millie Maker, but potentially doable. I do think um, oh, it's, been, it's been done. I remember Millie Maker winners with the Ryan Ridley and Julio. And Metcalf and Lockett again yeah. in that, the Lions matchup last week. Um I, I was just going to say uh, before I pass it to Matt is, is again, Irv is like it, Irv and Gesicki f- feel very similar actually to me in terms of just like, not, not like how they're playing this year or, or whatever, but the, the DFS aspect, they just so happen to fall right in between the, like, so Noah fans, 2,800, right? These, there's some of these guys down in the almost min price. And then there's Tyler Higby and Tanner these guys Hudson. at the, Tanner Hudson at the four at the 4k range and they're just in the middle right Gasicki and Irv and stuff are in the middle and nobody's playing cousins and you're playing Tyreek so maybe you don't want to play Gasicki so but Irv is out there I love how you say these things like nobody's playing cousins like you have to understand like I like you gotta you gotta remember I'm getting dropped off like in a spaceship literally I'm I'm behind you I'm deboarding I'm deboarding that spaceship for this show every Friday not knowing what as much of the what the community is thinking like you're so plugged in eric and you say these things and they just sound crazy to me <laughs> remember you remember say these that week one sound wild it's like, kind of no like no one's playing cousins I'm like this is the week to play cousins <laughs> yeah. if there's going to be a week where there's going to be some pocket passer with this big hairy double stack that ends up taking it all <laughs> down it's going to be this week with cousins or tua people have forgotten about the Cardinals, like the Cardinals defense, the Cardinals the games, the Cardinals pace, the Cardinals having bringbacks. Jacob talked about, I agree. We'll talk about Nuke a little bit more here in just a second. But now you have Eno as well. If you yes. really want to get crazy, you know, with the Ertz or something like that, go by all means, do whatever you want to do. But like you have a 50% target share. You know, I'm not projecting Nuke for 50%, right? But he was, he, he was, he, he makes for a, a, a volume bringback um, at wide receiver if you I, want to stack cousins or Eno. Right. Well, there's there's one guy at who literally nobody will play uh, coming off the mini buy who runs a lot of downfield routes and he's four. Robbie season. Robbie I'm, play, season. I'm playing Robbie Anderson this week. Yes. Yes. Well, Rondell like, Moore. Well, my, and, so I think Rondell's interesting, but I want to see how they're deployed because last week they were like, all right, AJ Green, this like charade that we've been doing where we stay still a football <laughs> player. It's finally over. We're kicking him to the curb. So like, we're going to play Dorch over Green and Robbie's not ready yet. And then they play. Uh, Rondale outside where he's completely useless for fantasy and then they play Dorch inside my hope this week is that they say okay now Robbie's caught up to speed so he's yeah. going to play where Green was and Rondell's going to play in the slot 
unless they're like, I don't know, we love Dort so much, we're going to keep him in the slot. I don't know, but I, I would no, project the, that they're no. probably going to do please. Rondale in the slot, Robbie Anderson outside, Hop on the other side. and But they also played Hop a lot in the slot, so they might right. still shift Hop and Rondale kind of back and forth a little bit. But That's what they I, should I do. Yeah. That's what they should do. The but it's Cliff Kingsbury, is, so like you can't be yeah. that certain that he's going to do what you want. <laughs> if to you're do. smart, this would actually be the if you're going to play Cliff Ball, this is the way to play Cliff Ball. You just park Anderson out at X the entire game, let him just absorb outside coverage, and you play this little game on the right side with Moore and Hopkins playing off each other, flipping and flopping and picking and popping. That's how they should play the game. That's that's if you want to not put anyone right like crossing the formation and motion, and you want to put everyone in 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 sort of static positions. That would be the configuration to do it, and I think that they would have success with that that approach. Uh, we'll see how creative they are with just those little mini motions on the right side if they start if they go down that route. I don't know. I don't give Cliff any credit for doing that. No, no, definitely not. I do think. Um... Not that we wanted to play Zach Ertz in tournaments anyways, given kind of the lack of upside, but I think Mm -hmm. Hopkins coming back and then, like you mentioned, this kind of odd configuration of wide receivers, they do seem to kind of like Dorch. And I mean, I I, kind of like Dorch just like, you know, he's a replacement level NFL player, but he's fine. Rondale, obviously, I, I like, you know, they got kind of these weird wide receivers they're trying to get on the field. And I think that that just, when Zach Ertz needs like, nine catches to get there and DeAndre Hopkins is back. And then you have these slot guys and, and, Eno, you know, catching check downs. I just think it's really tough for Zach Ertz mm-hmm. to get there. So he's kind of like the one piece in this game. I'm really not interested there's in. Just I'm off players, yeah, I'm there's off. just certain players where like, I, 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 I would call it bias, call it being an old wash dude, but I just don't ever want to play Zach Ertz if I can help it. Like yeah. there has to be a real compelling reason for me to want to play Zach Ertz in a tournament format. I, I'm not compelled. And that reason would ever be <laughs> well uh, I'm it, unsure, yeah. but I just won't I mean, rule out the possibility of it We've got great value on Irv and Gasecki in the games we love in the you know in the situations that that beg for double stacks. So or or have double stacks begging for runbacks, however you want to think about it. But like, no, uh, you have Irv Smith is going to be very much necessary with all your different cousins combinations. Again, I know it sounds crazy to play cousins this week. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Just like Gusecki's very necessary for all your ambitions for Tua this week. So and. Eno is just so perfect for the situation, right? Eno can be a singular run back for all these, you know, or more and some Hopkins. But yes, generally you get a, a, a chalky receiver that expensive on principle, you fade or you at least make sure you're like half your exposure c- compared to the field. Yeah, um, two two quick things, and then we'll move on from this game. I, I basically two questions for you guys. One, do you think at seventy four hundred that DeAndre Hopkins kind of has? I know he has the upside to catch a bunch of passes, and technically that then creates upside. But I struggle to see a scenario in which he like buries you. I guess the two touchdown game, you know. But t- so Tyreek, Tyreek is a scary fate because Tyreek right. can catch two passes and bury you. You know what I mean? DeAndre Hopkins has to have a very specific scenario to bury you in tournaments. Uh, basically, like, you know, uh, compare like those to Allen, like figure yeah. to me at this point. 
yeah. It, Matt, do you kind of generally yeah, agree yeah, with yeah, that exactly. Sentiment? I would never outright fade Tyreek Hill. Um, it looks like the projected ownership has him not the number one no. uh, highest owned, uh, number three on DraftKings, but because his salary is similar on DraftKings and FanDuel, he's the clear main biggest chalk play on FanDuel. <laughs> yes. I mean, Chris Gimino has him at 22.6%. With a 8.7K salary, which is typically just an easy, almost outright fade, but not him. Not him, not yeah. this game. The extenuating circumstances and given who he is and that he has like 200 yards and three touchdown upside, you can't do it. Just go under the field and be happy. Uh, and that's you can do that because you're going to be putting more emphasis on Waddle and Gasecki, as we already suggested. Whereas Hopkins, I agree, uh, he can be an outright complete cross off the board player, and it, it wouldn't wouldn't be that scary. This this might be wrong. I just personally think, especially in smaller field stuff, I think that the eleven percent is going to be low on his projected ownership. I think that yeah. people saw him uh, get a million targets on an island game. If you go around the industry, there's some projection sources that have him as like one of the top three like value plays across the board at wide receiver. He gets the island game bump. He's in a game with a really high total. Uh, and then he's in a game where even with the Eno injury, it's like I think people will be even more excited or the Connor injury leading to the Eno. People might be more excited to play this game. And Rondell's coming off a terrible game, right? Ertz is coming off a bad game. And people watched it. Like everybody watched Rondale do nothing. Everybody watched Ertz do nothing. Everybody watched Hopkins get half the targets. Like I, I don't know. I could just see in like some stuff he comes in closer to twenty. That's that's like more of a, a gut feel take. But it, it would surprise. You're me making me think this is going to be a Rondale Moore game. God, the more you talk, the more Rondale. I'm thinking Rondale Moore broken tackle, sixty yard touchdown. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. I think I think it makes total sense to, to my, my last question on this game because I do want to talk about Eno. So running back has all of a sudden with the Zeke is officially doubtful, by the way. Um at, with with James Conner out, Zeke doubtful, the emergence of Josh Jacobs, Shuba Hubbard is out, right? There's been yeah. all of a sudden a lot of run, most are playing against the lions there's like all these running backs to play where oh, would yeah. you rank eno at, as in relation to kind of you know all, all these guys that you kind of see on your screen here in that same ish 6k range number two behind pollard pollard yeah it's pollard like, to eno right and then and then it, then it's just 
you know, what works and what games you're playing. Is Kenneth Walker at 6.5 K included in this discussion? Yes. I would rather, I would, so I would, I would go Pollard Walker, then, then, then Mostert, then, Eno. I'd probably rank, Eno fourth. I, I think that, Eno, I love, Eno dearly. Um, I mean, he was, he was, he was not good in this first start. Like, just from like an NFL real football standpoint. They like scored nine, right? pardon my French, they scored nine fucking points against the Seahawks. Right. That's an abomination. Like, that, like, so that's the floor though, right? Like, right. you don't, you don't have that floor with Pollard against well, the Bears. Or but whatever. I think the floor is lower because in that game, he played 90% of the snaps. Like that game was like, oh my God, our other running backs are hurt. We don't have anybody else. We, we're just going to play him out there. And he was ineffective. Like he just wasn't running well in that game. Then they have to play again on Thursday night. And so they get Keontae Ingram a little bit more involved. And I know that in the box score, like Ingram didn't look particularly efficient or what have you, but he was getting some goal line snaps and I thought he popped a little bit. Uh, he was a prospect that had a really strong profile that Matt and I were excited about going all the way back to the off season, like way pre-draft. It, it wouldn't surprise me if this gets a little closer to like 65, 35. Like I think there's some fragility in that um, mm. with, with Eno Benjamin. Mm. And so, <laughs> and it also wouldn't surprise me. Like, he's a smaller guy, right? So I think he's, he's oh, safe with God. his pass down work. But, like, I don't know. What if Keontae Ingram just, like, starts vulturing a bunch of carries inside the yeah. tent? Like, okay, that's, fine. That's yes. All right. <laughs> God damn it, Jacob. Fine. No, I love Kenneth Walker. We all know I love Kenneth Walker. I just don't love that game. Like, we're game snobs yeah. here. That's what this show is all about. We're game snobs. Yes, on a, in, a, in a vacuum, value-wise, at 6.5K, yeah, in cash, I'd much rather have Walker. Uh, but there's also a case that you could do. It's feasible. You could do a, a Walker Barkley skinny stack in that game. Like yeah. that's not What's the, that's not yeah, the craziest it's thing. It's pretty close to the Eckler thing. It's not quite the same, but it's pretty close to the. Eckler if we thing had to last. pick one of those scenarios, that would be the scenario where you'd you actually would play the two running backs from that game, and then you'd play pass catchers from other games. All you know, all group. You can play Jacobs Kamara too, I think. Yeah, that's not nearly as exciting. Yeah, it's definitely not as exciting. You're gonna mix in Walker. Walker is gonna be a lone wolf from that game and a ton of lineups. You can stack one value, absolutely. Wandale, Mostert, Swift also is another one. We may be talking about that some more later. It's interesting that this we 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 found we've discovered something uh, here with the uh, the old the the thing that like nobody wants to do, and frankly, it's still hard for me to click it in. Even as you know the the two RBs from the same game, but um, the NFL is changing, man, and you got to evolve with the times. So you guys make of the sorry, I I I know this is part of the stack, but like, what do you guys make of this Ramondre thing? Like, I'm because I'm so biased because he's like literally my like literally like my favorite running back in the universe. Um, but like, is this real? Like, is he shitty? Cause his projection, like, are we just assuming that what happened Monday night is like not influenced by the fact that there was super, super negative game script, not influenced by the fact that Harris was his first game off injury. Like, cause to me, for him to be over 20% projected ownership at basically the same price as Walker, slightly under Swift above Pollard, Above, you know, like I think that's bad to be honest. And like it's I, I love very bad. Stevenson, and I'll Agreed. have him in so many it, it, managers. It's borderline not believable, and making me want to like call Jamino and ask him what, the, where, wh- how are you even getting to this ownership? I, I, I can't even like it, 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 it's it, it, that it's not passing the sniff test, man, because like, we don't know what the the carry distribution is going to be between he and Harris in a game where they're probably going to be leading. It's a forty point total. <laughs> it's the Jets a, defense 
And the Jets oh, defense is good. good. Yeah. yeah. What are we doing here? I think it's also, I think we kind of do know what it is. Like we saw the, the start of the game. It was Ramondre and Harris playing every alternating series, which is exactly what they did from weeks two through five. And then what they started doing in the Green Bay game was that instead of each getting their own series to themselves, Ramondre would just come in on third downs. And that was like the only change, but he doesn't act. He doesn't actually usually run routes on third downs. He usually pass blocks on third downs. He usually <laughs> yeah. runs his routes on early downs. So essentially it's no different for fantasy. And then he also gets the two minute roll to himself. And then they were down by a million touchdowns. So then they just let him play every snap. Like if, if they're down by a million touchdowns, to the jets, I, I guess he'll probably also play every <laughs> snap. In which case he's also probably not the RB one on the slate because yeah. that's not going to get you there. So I don't know. I think that his role is like clearly better than Harris's. It's like clearly a startable role and managed, but I, I don't think that he's, I think he's like a, appropriately priced i don't think he's underpriced right. at all whereas like pollard i like a pollard it's like okay well without zeke he's like a seventy five hundred dollar running back whereas yep. Ramondre, i'm like you're a 6k running back think 6K. like a computer think like a, a computer is not going to get push stevenson in the lineups no. the one-off plays are going to be walker or swift or pollard Right, even if you're going to go off the board into in one of these value games that aren't as stackable, there's all these other options. There's just scenarios where you play Stevenson are so rare to me. I I don't even I don't even get it. Like I don't even understand. I when I'm trying to understand how you put together a portfolio of say 150 lineups, how there's any kind of significant percentage of Stevenson in there. I given his salary. I, I'm just, I'm just baffled. I can't play $6,400 Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson when Ken Walker is 6,500 and DeAndre Swift is 6,800 and Eno and Pollard are 6K and Mostert's 5,900. As you see, I have it sorted by point per dollar. Now we haven't talked about Dante Foreman or Damian Pierce or Alvin Kamara. We will get to Kamara in and a, a second. And a bunch of these guys are in games we love. Yes. That's the thing. If it was all five guys in these random one-off low total games, Okay, it's a conversation, but we, three of those guys are in like the primest of games, and it is interesting. The Walker Barkley, that's you know that's like a, a thought experiment because what you really have there are two of the best skinny stacks on the board in Walker and Wandale and Barkley and Goodwin. Yes, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Barkley Goodwin is like. Watching Saquon uh, break off an 80-yard touchdown, and then watching Marquise Goodwin run really fast straight in a in in a line, you know, against a blown coverage or something—that's what like tournament dreams are made of. We're not going to talk about that game too much. Well, we've mixed in some. No, but, no, but uh, that is a skinny stack game. We don't yes. talk about that game because there isn't a quarterback to really actually really uh, are, are are dying They're to okay. play. I know yeah. that. Yeah. I understand why Maybe people are going to get into Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. I know yeah, I understand Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. I find Daniel Jones. I'll I know you are, but <laughs> I, 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 I know but that you are. And, and but the flaw in that thinking is there just isn't enough points to go around. And sure, you can have some like some lighter stacks with Daniel Jones if you want. Uh, I, I would rather not. Actually, I just I I look sometimes you look at a game and it, it is it screams skinny stack. It screams RB wide receiver stack. And, and that's that's my recommendation for this game. You can find your quarterbacks elsewhere. I think that that's fair. I think that yeah. 
you know, in 150 lineups, I do think that, you know, Gino, both Gino and Daniel Jones, preferably Daniel Jones for me with the rushing. But I think that they're in in play. But I agree that, like, if you take a step back, which is kind of what this show, right, is about. And this is actually what has helped me testimonial, giving my own testimonial on my own show. Uh, think about these slates better. And I've gotten better in my DFS play as the course of the season has gone on having this show is because. Sometimes we get really right. I've pulled up lineup HQ multiple times. You see that the nuts and right. Matt said, think like a computer. Sometimes that happens when you start to build your teams. You're like, you think about it like, Oh, that guy is a number. And I put him at, he's the best at seven K. He's the best at this. And you don't take a step back and say no, but like the giants game is not going to shoot out. So it's don't bad, go crazy. It's kind of a bad game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's not to say don't play guys from that game because Good plays can come from games that aren't the highest scoring game on the slate. But why did I uh, why did I actually finally have a good week for the first time in a month in DFS is because I said the Chiefs are going to score 50. I'm friggin stacking the Chiefs. I don't really care that Juju and MBS are not the best point per dollar plays. I don't really care that George Kittle's not the best. Right. You just say. And that's kind of like the Cousins. The, the Vikings are an awesome example of that this week. There's not a Viking on the board that projects anywhere near the best point per dollar or at raw points. Jefferson doesn't even project for the most raw points, right? But when you take a step back and you say, who's going to score the most points on this slate? They're right there with everybody else. And so I just think that reminder is always, I, I'm constantly having to remind myself of that. Why, why did we joke about Sam Ellinger before the show is because <laughs> yeah. when you take a step back and you say, yes, in the computer, in the spreadsheet, he looks awesome, right? He projects for like right. 16 points or something for 4k, but is he, it, Tua can get 40 <laughs> here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is Ellinger ever doing that? No, he's not. And so I just think that that's, again, that's why, again, testimonial well, you'll for see it. the show. Yeah. And the, and the, the testimonial actually is, uh, the functionality exists exactly as we're talking about, because I think if you take a step all the way back, this show was designed to talk about plays the way people actually build lineups in real life. In real life, people just don't go game by game from the one o'clock to the four o'clock. That's not <laughs> how you build game. That's not how you build your lineups. How you actually, we actually talk about this the way you would uh, sort of chronologically start the process of building your portfolio. So that was, that I think, the unlock of the show also. Uh, it was talking about it and, and organizing a show the way you would organize a, a portfolio of lineups. And, you know, uh, it, it's just, when I look at a game like, let's say, Steelers-Eagles versus, and games with similar game totals, right? Yeah. Uh, or, or giant Seahawks, 44.5 game total Steelers, Eagles, 43 point game total. Uh, the, I, there's a lot more reasons in, in the Steelers Eagles games. There's a lot th in that game. There's a lot more reason I can see uh, to play quarterbacks from that game. Uh, you've got, first of all, uh, Pickett offers better value, right? Than anyone in the Seahawks giants game and Hertz offers more upside. Right. And that's why, on our DFS Dominator tool on playerprofiler.com, we have a lineup genius and we have a specific cash game optimizer. The cash game optimizer looks at median projections and the computer will spit out an Ellinger lineup for you. But when you go and build lineups in the lineup genius, it's going to bend you away from Ellinger lineups. Let's just put it that way. 
and I and I love that. Let's talk really quickly though about the the Eagles Steelers. I feel oh, kind of this is this is this is uh, it, the Eagles are so much like the Lions on kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum. I feel like we say a lot of the same things every week, but that's this it's what it is. I'm not gonna we're not gonna make up things just to to make up things and talk about them. They are an incredible offense with a rushing quarterback that has unbelievable upside and elite weapons all over the field. The problem is they are the anti-Lions. Their defense is amazing, and they will take the foot off off the gas in the second half and just get, put the ball in Miles Sanders' belly 15 times, which makes for difficult tournament stacks. And I don't foresee the Steelers, even though I do expect that the Eagles are going to put up a pretty big number here on offense, I don't foresee the Steelers as the team that's going to, I just keep waiting and they get the Texans next week for Christ's sake on Thursday night football. I just keep waiting for that team to be like push Jalen hurts and these guys to the brink so we can see it. But I just don't, I I don't see that happening with the Steelers. So I struggle stacking this game, even though I like all the Eagles, Matt, what do you think? I'm stacking it. Yeah. Hurts. AJ Brown hurts. uh, Devontae Smith, even better. And the nice thing is you get value on the runbacks. You get Pickens is a great value. Pickens is underpriced, just like Olave every week. <laughs> That's why I like it. And Fryermuth's not expensive. So, and, and he's finally got the Q tag removed. So, there are ways you can save salary and have a nice, very affordable run back. And then you can potentially have the nuts quarterback wide receiver stack. So, yeah, I like this game. Jacob, what do you think about this one? This is probably my big, uh, my, my biggest play of the week in terms of, I just, the Eagles are such a strange team because they're not like actually a run heavy team. They're just a good team, right? right? Like they're, they're a totally normal team in terms of their pass run balance. It's just, <laughs> that's, that's a great point. Higher, that's a great point. Right. They're a fake run heavy team They're It's like <laughs> they, they start the game and they're like, we're going to just be a normal team. The issue is that higher percentage of their dropbacks turn into scrambles because Hertz runs. And then, no team can play a competitive game. And so they just run in the second half once it's over, <laughs> but which is so infuriating. Uh, Good for my Miles Brown Sanders still... best ball teams. I, 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 I'm, mm. I, we're getting bailed out on, on, on Miles Sanders, but I'll take it. Yeah, I, I know. I, I had a joke one time on, uh, I was like, actually the real point of zero RB is to just trick you all into making Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders. Round eight, <laughs> nine picks. Right. <laughs> but anyhow, true. um, AJ Brown has been one of the best wide receivers in the league this year. When you just look at how many targets he's earning uh, as his target share, when you look at how efficient he is on his routes, he's like right among the cops and the Jeffersons and, and the digs is in the elites of the world. It's these systemic issues. And while those systemic issues are very real, like all it takes is just the right set of circumstances. And I think, in a median outcome, are the Steelers going to push the Eagles? No, but like weird shit happens, you know, like the Eagles or the Steelers could return a kickoff for a touchdown. Uh, they, there could be a busted coverage and George Pickens and Ch- is like a downfield guy. Like he could have a 75 yard touchdown. Why not? Um, Deontay Johnson could have a three yard catch. Why not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's like, there's ways for things to just happen randomly to push the Eagles to have to pass. The matchup is incredible. The, the Steelers, aren't really a factor in terms of their pass defense. They don't have anybody in their secondary that can cover AJ Brown whatsoever. Uh, Jalen Hurts is going to do his thing regardless. And I do think there's some level of optimism with the Steelers offense, just in the sense that it's Kenny Pickett's a rookie that we don't have a very large sample on, right? Like he's, he hasn't been great. He hasn't been 
horrible and he's so young and there's such little sample that I'm still holding out like a candle that, you know, I'm incorrect about his prospect profile and he's actually really good. And like any one of these get weeks upcoming, maybe he shows that. So just embracing that general fragility in terms of our assumption about what the Eagles are and what they'll do. And then adding in that, I think AJ Brown probably comes in at like what? 3% ownership this week. Like, and he's so good. And for him to ever be that low owned, especially in a spot where Hertz is like the only elite quarterback in the slate. Like his ceiling is just demonstrably higher than every other quarterback on this slate. The only other guy is Kyler in theory that has that kind of ceiling. And it's very much in theory. So I'm going to be playing a lot of Hertz and Brown, of course, just as skinny. I'm, I'm not stacking double Eagles um, just to leave yourself open to that scenario where, you know, what if they do just do it all in the first half, you know, but you end up getting it. You end up getting there with just a skinny stack. In terms of the bring back, like I, I just need to, at some point I'm going to close the tab of my laptop that says Deontay Johnson's target share. I'm, I don't think I'm going to do it yet. I'll probably still like somehow work him into lineups. I just don't understand yeah. how this can continue, but Pickens uh, certainly also, I'll not be playing Najee Harris, uh, but, but Pickens or, or Deontay and Friermuth is fine because he's still tight end. I also think it's fine if you just play Hurts with like Goddard or Smith and then you don't really would- need the explosion game. I was just going to say, I think I obviously love AJ Brown. It's similar to uh, uh, Tyreek. I'm not going to say a negative thing about AJ Brown. He's a baller. The matchup is great. But I, I think, as I think through it, possibly my favorite way to go about this game is Hurts Goddard. Um, maybe even more so on, on FanDuel. It's just, again, not to reiterate the tight end thing, but like if, if, if Hurts is going to like smash and it can be through the position that absolutely no one else can compete, right? If Goddard, catches two touchdowns he's gonna lap the field like he might catch one touchdown and lap the field it's so bad that i just think if the eagles explode and like there's just so many more paths to winning a tournament i kind of feel like this week with like hurts goddard can get there no matter what i i'm not i'm not sold on hurts AJ Brown get, just because a wide receiver not because AJ Brown can't have a good game but AJ Brown's got to beat Tyreek Jefferson Cup Hopkins right all of these guys and and that can happen in a in a you know a shootout scenario but Goddard can do it in any absolutely any game script and so can Hurts with his legs I think and so not not to I'm not saying don't play AJ Brown but I just think if I'm like racking and stacking my like how I want to build my Eagle stacks I think Hurts Goddard is probably my favorite I get it, man. You're right. I mean, it, Goddard has the the 30 point upside. Very few tight ends do. Kelsey Andrews not not playing. Right. Uh, last time I checked, Gronkowski's retired. <laughs> right. Yes. So we're, we're, what are we down to? Right. Like what are we Kittle down to? And Waller, and, and Kittle and Goddard. Waller might play. You're and playing he's all that. You're gonna. You're gonna. You're, you need to. You need. You can't. You can't play. So much Gasecki. You need to keep your. You need to hold your Gasecki for your. He's Tua still stack. Mike Gasecki. We like him, but he's still Mike Gasecki. I know. Yeah, yeah. and and same with Irv Smith. You got to hold your Irv Smith back for your cousins. All your cousin stacks. So then, for your uh, your hurt stacks, you're gonna you're gonna need a bunch of Goddard in there. Matt, are sure. you not playing twenty five percent owned uh, backup tight end on the Seahawks? Noah Fant in a game with a forty <laughs> point total or whatever it has forty four. I I like Fant. I like fan. I'm not not playing. I'm not not playing. Fan. I'm, I'm gonna not not. I'm gonna not play fan at twenty. Uh, you could you could absolutely play fan. Is he that high owned? I think probably. I think, I think he he's gonna. I think 20. he's gonna end up pretty 
pretty popular right now. We have him as the fourth highest owned, but Jamino has the uh, the fake Kyle Pitts ownership in as as Kyle Pitts third oh third highest. Oh my, that's, that's not that's a false flag operation. Nobody's I yes, can't exactly. believe this. <laughs> that's you government guys, propaganda. Guys, Nobody's playing Kyle Pitts. <laughs> you share these things with me every week that just are totally innocuous. It's just like, of course, and I'm like, Vance top three. What? It's, it's just, just the, the, I'm in yeah, shock. It's the price when you, it's the projected double tight end sets. Again, it's when you think like a computer, it's like, okay, you take out, right? So all the projections and everything, it's a math equation. When you take out DK Metcalf, right. no one assigns all of DK Metcalf to Marquise Goodwin. Maybe they should, but no one assigns all <laughs> of DK Metcalf to Marquise Goodwin. It spreads, right? right. It spreads around. A little sprinkle of locket little sprinkle of fan and when you're 2800 and you just sprinkle a couple more targets well, on yeah, there he yeah. does have it, yards it, after the catch ability yeah yeah i like i said i like i, I like I, the god i'm i we've been playing fant all year because we've been loving the geno stacks all year and yeah. fant's been a, a nice little salary saver because we've said it he doesn't need more than a 60 percent snap share he can get there by taking a screen pass for a touchdown i've seen him do it 40 yards like this is this is his skill set. So at that price, you just play him. So yeah, I am gonna be playing some Fant, and you know, do you really is it is it is it really a thing to get off tight ends because of ownership? Well, it's not to get off. It's just like it's just to me, tight end is like so dependent on who finds the end zone that I just like don't want to play the ones that other people are playing. like. If I happen to throw, if I happen to pin the tail on the right donkey, I just want the fewest number of people sitting next to me on that donkey. Is really where I'm at with like tight ends, like, which is why I mostly just want to stack him. I love Goddard though. Like he's, he's one of the few guys where without like a complete busted coverage, someone fell down in the middle of the field, whatever he can reach the hundred yard bonus. Like, and you can envision it happening uh, without some sort of disaster. And there's really like him and Kittle are who else can hit the hundred yard bonus this week. Him, he can, I, like Goddard can, Kittle can. No, but those two. Maybe just, if you, maybe Waller, if he's healthy Gisecki. and he probably isn't. Um, yeah, right. Gasecki right, right, right. in theory, yeah, but it's yeah, Gasecki, yeah, and the the reason why Jason Hill, I, I, I'm not worried about being <laughs> too exposed. True, I'm not I'm not too worried about being uh, overexposed on Fant, and I you know wouldn't would definitely be way under uh whatever that projected ownership that silly projected ownership you just talked about is, <laughs> is because when you think about that game, right and the skinny stacks for that game that you're going to play. He's the third priority. He's the third priority behind Walker and behind Goodwin. Goodwin is going to make it into a lot of lineups. Okay. Are we doing this? We're doing this Marquis Goodwin thing. I I like Goodwin. Let's talk. So yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about He's the Giants. 4.4 I'm, I'm, K. I'm kicking the Raider. We had Raider Saints on as the last game. I'm kicking that one to the curb. We're gonna t- we're gonna polish up this, this show here with this with with the, with this. Yeah, I, I, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs looks great. Kamara looks good. Olave looks good. You're good. We don't really you want to play about. Olave. Olave. I don't care about ownership. I'm playing Olave. Yes, Olave looks awesome. Josh Jacobs and Kamara look awesome. Yeah. yeah, I don't really need to tell you guys. We don't we don't need to talk through it. Giants though, I I think that the Giants game is is pretty fascinating for a lot of the reasons we talked about here with Fant. We talked about with Walker, Saquon. Wandale gets eight targets in the first freaking half. I played, I ended up playing Matt. We talked about, I think we talked about Wandale uh, briefly last week. You know, obviously the targets per outrun were yeah. off the charts in his yeah. first game, and that continued for the first half of last week. And then you got I assume, nuts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and that, and, and that didn't continue the second half, but 
Um, I think people are not buying into Wandale. He makes for a skinny stack um, candidate, I believe, in in this game. Yes. But the Marquise Goodwin thing, to me, is actually really, really fascinating. It's like, I, I don't even know what to compare to. So let's compare it to Swift. So not in not in the sense of like what kind of play they are, but no one is willing to dive into Swift, even though it, it you know he's fresh off an injury, so people are scared, right? We don't know what to say. Is he going to get forty percent of snaps, or is he going to get eighty percent of snaps? I have no idea. So people don't want to do it. Marquis Goodwin is Marquis Goodwin, but we took away DK Metcalf, and people are scared to give production to Marquis Goodwin because of the name, but like. People weren't scared to remember when the Jets were missing all of their wide receivers oh, the uh, like two Berrios years ago. Braxton Berrios chalk day and Denzel Mims. They were the two yeah. highest owned wide receivers on against the Bill against uh, against a really good defense. Uh, right, shocker! Right. Everybody lost yeah. money betting on the Bills or betting on the Jets wide receivers. But pe- people are willing to be like, "Oh, look, I have nowhere to go with this. Let's play Braxton Berrios." But they won't do it with Marquise Goodwin on a really good offense, and he just went nuts last week. He just had four, four, four catches for two, two touchdowns last week, and they only threw the ball twenty-seven times. And so I just think it's one of those situations where do I really have any idea if Marquise Goodwin is going to do much? Nah, he's Marquise Goodwin. Probably not. But everyone else thinks the same thing. And what if he does just kind of replace DK Metcalf in this offense at 4,400 and low ownership? So um, I'm going to play some Marquise Goodwin as well. Yes. The low ownership shocked me. Like when, when I like when I heard that Metcalf was going to be out and I like saw his price, I, I was like, oh, like this is going to be a true privilege to fade a 20% owned Marquise Goodwin yeah. this week. Like, right. Because why but he's not? not like, he's not popular what, at all. What, what the hell was Josh yeah. Reynolds owned at like yeah. three or four weeks ago? People were fired up. And then, but yeah, if he's going to be not owned, which it seems like he's shockingly going to be not owned, then why not? I mean, at least he's the right type of wide receiver, right? He's not yep. like the Braxton Berrios. His hit is eight catches for 60 yards. Thank like, you. Goodwin, Goodwin can fail like systemically. Like, let's like say, the Eskridge. Right? Right. Like, yeah, right, like Goodwin could like let's say Goodwin actually like fails in in a projection sense where he runs like sixty five percent of the routes instead of ninety, yeah, um, and he only has like a twelve percent targets per route run. He could still have two for eighty and a touchdown. Like that's still like in his range of outcomes. So I think mm-hmm. that there's it's 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 not a bad play at shockingly to me low projected ownership. You know, Goodwin has that twenty seventeen season. Where he was the starter oh, yeah. the whole season. Yes. <laughs> right? I mean, he had, mm-hmm. wait, like, if you look at the second half, 17 against the Giants, 17 fantasy points, then 12 fantasy points, 18, 17, 22. Like, this is that had a G year, right? He's yes. gone on a run, man. He's gone on a run before. He's not a, a, a guy we've never heard of who's just arriving on the scene for a single game performance to be, you know, relegated to like the, the, the dustbin of history. He's a little bit better than that. He's the guy that actually has real weekly upside in a starting role. And he's only the fastest player in the history of the NFL. He's an Olympian. <laughs> I mean, what yeah. are we doing? <laughs> I mean, he's old. Okay. He's 31. Right, he's he, he's plenty of fast twitch muscle fiber to burn. Don't worry. Listen, Julio caught a touchdown last night. Last, last night. So if 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 Julio can still score fantasy points, I think Marquise Goodwin can uh, can can score some fantasy points. What about though? Um, we talked a little bit about Wandale. I think he's fairly straightforward. We've talked about Walker and Fant. 
yeah. it, it is interesting to me that kind of these guys are falling through the cracks. What are you, Jacob, what are you doing with Wandale? And then Tyler Lockett is kind of interesting too. It's it, him and Goodwin are both the same thing. No one's DK Metcalf is out. I don't know if people are just like not caring about that or something, but DK Metcalf is not playing and no one's playing Marquise Goodwin and no one's playing Tyler Lockett and they're playing Noah Fant. Explain that. I can't figure that one out. Uh, yeah, I think it's just with the other wide receiver options that, that Lockett is just going to, like, I think there's just going to be a bunch of wide receivers that come in between like 10 to 18%. Right. And Lockett's, well, I get, like, I get the Lockett thing. I get Lockett. Um, well, yeah. I mean, it's what's crazy is that people have been playing the shit out of Lockett yeah, while and DK now, is in there. Like, people have not. been like yeah. falling all over themselves to like jam Tyler Lockett. But then he, he like went above the six K line. Right. And he went from like being 5,800 to, to being like, a little bit above and everyone's like, Oh, I can't pay that. You know, it's, it's people are, people are like, man, what are you doing? Um, I think that Lockett's a totally fine play. I mean, Wandale is, I've just loved like what we've seen in the Wandale's usage, right? Like it looked like in the preseason. I mean, Matt knows because when I was on his show pre-draft, like I was going all out, out for Wandale Robinson. I think Wandale was the cover image of our show that day. Oh, yeah. uh, and I was a little worried in the preseason. I was like, Oh, they seem to only be using him in these like gadgety touches. And then a lot of his work so far in these last two weeks has just been like normal slot wide receiver work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's and just playing a normal slot role. Yep. Last year, like people, like it took a long time for people to be like, nah, you can't play Hunter Renfro. Like he doesn't have any upside. He's just a slot receiver. Can't play Hunter Renfro. He doesn't have any upside. He doesn't have any upside. And like eventually he was like, well, actually, this guy's like the wide receiver one like the last like month. And then everybody was starting <laughs> to finally play Hunter Renfro. He's not playing a gadget role. He's playing a normal slot wide receiver role. He's playing it in a high volume way. He's a dynamic player. He has yards after the catch ability. He used to play freaking running back in the big 10. Like this is a guy who can make people miss and get yards after the catch. And especially with how creative Dable and Kafka are at the goal line, right? Like think about all of those Mikkel Hardman touches that Mike Kafka and Andy Reid were scheming up with Eric Bieniemy that we just saw last week. Hardman catch freaking or run for slash catch freaking three touchdowns. Like there's goal line upside to this Wandell role in a Mike Kafka offense. Mm. And I think he can get some of that gadget stuff, the good gadget stuff. And then on top of just getting like a six for 60 as a normal slot wide receiver, it's, it's really awesome. And he's really underpriced in my opinion, um, as a guy who so far has been earning a target on like 25% of his routes and getting a lot of routes. Yeah. With, with Lockett, I'm more interested in wide receivers in that pricing zone that are in what I am more confident are going to be shootouts. Like for example, we mentioned the saints game. I'm more confident that Olave Olave is going to be in a shootout. So, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to naturally lean on Olave there in that pricing zone, but down in this pricing zone, down in this mid fours pricing zone, it's the Wandale Robinson show or Marquise Goodwin. And then you just play the other, uh, the running back on the other side. It's just, it's a very, like I said, we talked about this like half an hour ago. This is the, this is the easiest little skinny stack. You know, a little mini stack you can you can do without involving the quarterbacks. It's it's quite it's just super elegant, sort of a problem solver. This game is like the slate problem solver. I like it. I like playing Wanda with Walker specifically because it seems like the Giants have two modes of offense. Uh, like broadly speaking, it's like they have this power run game offense that they play when they're ahead, where it's like they're going to play three tight ends. A whole I mean, there was a drive. Quarter. There was, was the like a drive where they literally ran power O to the right three consecutive times. Then they ran power O to the left. And then they did a fake power O to the right with a quarterback naked bootleg around the left. Like they have that mode. And Wandell, I mean, if you've ever seen him, he ain't blocking anybody. So he doesn't play snaps when they go into that mode. But their comeback mode is more of the spread offense style. So if you play Walker, 
and he busts off a couple of big runs. Seattle gets ahead. Then you get Walker churning the clock on one side. They give it back to the Giants. They have to play pace up. They're going to have to yep. be throwing short of the sticks. Wandale, 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 Wandale. I mean, then you could have the 12 target, 10 catch, 100 yard game, right? It's at Seattle. This is a Seattle home game. That that's that's the, what's the most likely scenario I think to hit. I also find it. I think this could be supposed to be a really great rookie wide receiver class that has flopped <laughs> for all kinds of different reasons. Right? We have injuries to Traylon Burks, injury to Jahan Dotson. You have incompetent offense in Atlanta. So there's all these reasons why only Olave has been a consistent producer. But this week, we could get Olave, Pickens, and Robinson all finally we have like three rookie receivers really roar up. I'm excited for that. I think, is this crazy? This is maybe a hot take, I guess. Is is Wandale really just like the same play as DeAndre Hopkins for $3,000 less on DraftKings? Like, obviously... It's not quite the same. I'm not projecting him for the same exact same thing. The, the you know the volume isn't isn't quite there. But like in terms of I'm gonna get a requisite. I'm gonna get ten or whatever. You're getting, you're getting ten targets. Yeah, I'm gonna get ten from this guy, and then like everything else is gravy. I can spend forty seven hundred instead of seventy four hundred, and then I can play Olave, Waddle, Tyreek, Jefferson, etc. Amon Ra, all these other guys oh, right. in the new in the nuke range. That's kind of how at least my brain is processing. Twenty twenty one Deontay Johnson. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. You talked about top end guy. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about uh, De- Deontay Deontay earlier. Yeah, just just play Wandale. Don't 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 yeah. do the Deont- don't chase the Deontay <laughs> spreadsheet entry. You know, Deontay is the guy that always looks oh, good in the spreadsheet. Man. And then on Sundays, you're, I played him against the Bucks when I, I jammed my Brady stacks, which was shocker. Absolutely. I, I, in fairness to me, I didn't know he was already divorced at that point in time. Mm. Uh, I didn't I didn't know that Giselle brought the voodoo doll out uh, 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 three weeks ago or whatever. But Deontay, I, I, again, like Deontay, just play Wandale. Just like I just think he's like those guys for much cheaper. Yeah. is kind of what I think. Eight point five percent ownership is the projection on Roto Grinders for DraftKings. Half that on FanDuel. That's number fifteen. That's I'm just shocked that he's not top ten ownership. Yeah. Yes. I I totally agree. Um. So anyway, let's. Let's wrap with what we've been we've been wrapping with is kind of the we summarized all of our games, our our favorite plays from all those games, our favorite stacks, our favorite skinny stacks. What is the one of those things? Again, last week, I think we uh, it was the Eckler Walker was our big, big winner of our kind of flag plant, our, our conviction play from the show last week. Jacob, you you lead us off. You're the you're the honored guest. What is the one thing that you need to have in in tournaments that we talked about today? Um, well, I think you guys will be on board with this one. So it's unfortunate. I didn't know coming in that you guys were all (laughs) aboard this specific aspect, but for me, it's Waddle Swift. Um, I love the full game stacks, but if I'm doing other things and I'm not stacking this game, I will still make this my primary skinny stack. Um, so I want access to this on all, on all accounts. It's not going to be super highly owned. And yet you get two exciting, young, dynamic, big play threat players in a game with a high total. That's everything that we want, right? This is a game that can shoot out. These are young, fun players in it. And you still get to get off of the massive ownership while playing the exact type of guys, the archetypes that we want to play. They complement each other well. Uh, That's my favorite skinny. And I will play it both in full stacks with Tua and with X also a Dolphins piece. And then I will play it just as a one-off with whatever else I want to play. All right, Matthew. 
do love it. <laughs> do not forget to play Justin Jefferson this week. Mm, love it. Yes. Please don't forget. I he can get lost in the shuffle here, right? You can you can be save some salary with Hopkins, Woo-hoo-hoo, right? Tyreek Hill can beat you. Oh, right, spooky, right? Don't forget about Jefferson. Okay, this I got a feeling. We've been right about our, our these feelings have been real, real right this year. But uh, this, again, this feels like a pocket passer double stack week to take it all down, either Tua or Cousins. Uh, and it feels like that that's where uh, they should be the the leaders uh, they should lead the way uh in terms of the 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 weighting of the portfolio and uh and if i had to think about scenarios where uh everyone's slapping their forehead it's going to be you know cousins jefferson irv smith with jefferson going for over 200 and multiple touchdowns and everyone like well duh I love it. I love it also because Jefferson is like you can do you can combine these things is basically what I'm saying. You play your two a stack, but instead of playing Tyreek, you play Waddle. I'm going to I'm going to piggyback on both you guys' takes here. We're going to basically build you guys a line, build you guys a lineup with these three combined takes. You play your two a stack, but you ignore Tyreek and you play it with Waddle and you play it with Gesicki. You have that swift bring back available to you. And then instead of using your salary on Tyreek within your stack, you still get all that Dolphins upside and you go use the savings to get Jefferson in a, in a pristine matchup. You're getting leverage. You're, you're still getting the superstar upside. You know, you're getting your primary game stack and the ownership isn't there, right? The waddle t- Gesicki swift version with Jefferson instead of Tyreek that, that, that no one's playing. No one's playing that. Um, everybody's going to look to Tyreek. So that's kind of how where my priority for for this week. Um, anything else to add, guys? No, we saw the slate. Yep, that's it. Now, now you guys go. Uh, dra- DK assists don't come hunt us down when we're handing out uh, lineups on this one. But uh, thanks for hanging on with us, guys. Went went a little over, but that's what happens here. We get to talk and we're having fun. We're 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 uh, building lineups <laughs> over the course of an hour and a half. Um, I assume Dario will be back next week unless we kick him off the show for for jacob but for myself and uh for these two lovely gentlemen and sosa behind uh on the ones and twos we will see you guys in uh week nine